0: Welcome to the Beatrice Institute podcast. I'm your host, Ryan McDermott. I'm a professor of English at the University of Pittsburgh and faculty director of the Beatrice Institute, an ecumenical learning and research community that supports advanced inquiry in the Christian intellectual and cultural traditions. Animated by intellectual friendship, inside and outside the academy, Beatrice Institute serves all who pursue the beautiful, the true, and the good. Welcome. I'm Ryan McDermott, faculty director of the Beatrice Institute and Associate Professor of English at the University of Pittsburgh. And I'm here today with Daryl Darby, president, CEO of Darco International, a medical device company based out of West Virginia, but working in a very global way. And so we're going to be hearing about what it's like to be on the front lines of. The coronavirus crisis, trying to deal with um, supply chains, and what is definitely not business as usual. So you have your businesses based also in Germany and in China, and I gather recently in India. So what does a normal work week look like for you? And how has this week been different?
1: Well, the normal work week for me has actually changed over the past few years in that we've uh, begun relying more and more on virtual meetings and um, uh, certainly emails and, and, and texts and, and WhatsApp and WeChat. I mean, uh, India messages, it's WhatsApp. Uh, China, we use WeChat mixed in with, with, with emails. I'm actually calling in from Charleston, South Carolina. So I'm working uh, out of the main office in Huntington, West Virginia, generally every other week. Uh, In fact, came to the decision uh, uh, to make the move to Charleston about eight years ago after being convinced that we could still run and and, uh, be efficient with virtual meetings and things like that uh, every other week, uh, which has been the case again for the past eight years. But normally a a work week would be a combination of those virtual meetings plus a block of face-to-face time. Uh, For the most part, again, internationally once a week, uh, particularly our our German office, which is our largest uh, international subsidiary. And and just for your listeners sake, we're a we're a a small company with a big footprint. We don't have a huge number of employees. We're not a Fortune 500 industry, but we do have locations in in Huntington, West Virginia, just outside of Munich, Germany, uh, Shanghai, China, uh, and also India for the last five years, I guess.
0: Could you describe a little bit about what you're selling and what the strategic task is of each of those locations?
1: Sure. Darko is actually split into two companies now. The main business of Darko is manufacturing orthopedic soft goods, braces, uh, wound care products, and the bulk of that manufacturing is done in China. So we have a, a contract manufacturer there that, that works exclusively for, for our company and produces the products and ships for distribution to the distribution centers in the U.S. and in Germany, which handles all of Europe and the India. Uh, the second part of the business is uh, called HG Medical, and that's actually a higher tech manufacturing. We we manufacture titanium plates and screws for reconstructive surgery uh, or or corrective surgery, usually small bone stuff. And that's that manufacturing is based mainly in Germany right now. But we also have a smaller uh, manufacturing uh, operation in Huntington, West Virginia. So that's that's kind of the scope of our of our business, ranging from the, the lower tech Darko side, which which again, more more orthopedic bracing wound care to the more invasive uh, products that are, that are manufactured in the U.S. and Germany on the HG Medical side.
0: Okay, good. So, and the, these products are moving back and forth, right? So how has you know, the last week been different to you? I know you're, you're currently in, in quarantine. I am. And, you were, and so how, how did you end up there?
1: <laughs> kind of a long story. I was actually in China when the, the virus broke out in January. Uh, in fact, I left on January 18th, and the owner of the factory, who is originally from the Wuhan area, which, as you know, is the, 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 the center of the outbreak, uh, he's probably about 45 minutes outside of Wuhan in Hubei province, uh, he left the same day I went to the airport, he left with his, his wife and two children to go visit his parents uh, in Hubei. So I came back from that. And of course, there was no, no danger at all at that time. The, the virus really hadn't spread. He was in Hubei province for about three days. And then I got a message from him saying, basically, hey, we're, we're leaving. They packed up in the middle of the night because they heard a quarantine was coming and, and went back to uh, the Dongguan area, which is near, near Shenzhen, closer to Hong Kong in the southern part of, of China. And his reason for that was uh, he was afraid if something did happen to a family member that the healthcare resources in Hubei Province would be so overwhelmed he wouldn't be able to find you know treatment for his family. And thankfully they're they're free and clear. But uh, that was kind of the first experience. The last one was two weeks ago. Uh, I had to go to India for legal reasons. Legal reasons being. Indian law is Byzantine, and the CEO of the company had to be there, has to be there at least twice a year. I had to be there before the end of April. And, you know, i hoped to, to be able to cancel that, but, but couldn't. So flew in, had the meetings in, in Mumbai. And when I came back, decided to do, you know, a self-quarantine for two weeks, which was a recommendation for kind of the hot spots. India at the time was certainly not a hot spot, but I uh, figured better safe than sorry. So yeah, I've been I've been grounded for about 10 days now.
0: So besides yourself, how's the how's the lockdown around the world affecting your coworkers?
1: Well, it's having probably the biggest effect on the the HG medical side, the manufacturing of the titanium plates and screws because we're In in both the U.S. and Germany, we're running three shifts. So you've got three shifts of workers coming in, you know, the manufacturing is going on around the clock. And there have been different um, measures put in place in in both locations. West Virginia just, uh, I think three days ago, had a shelter in place policy that went into effect. Medical device and orthopedic companies were exempt from that, among other industries. So, so far, we've been able to provide our employees with letters stating in case they would get pulled over or stopped. This is where I'm going. This is why I'm going there. Uh, we've taken measures to kind of quarantine uh, the two companies which share uh, a campus in Huntington uh, to make sure there's no intermingling.
0: I should note that, that we're talking on March 26th on uh, Thursday, March 26.
1: So, and in Germany, it's even stricter. They're they're down to gatherings of more than two people uh, will result in a in a fine. If you're on the street with with if you're on the street with somebody who does not live with you or is not a blood relative, then you have an issue. That has and again, same in Germany. We have to issue letters to all of our our workers. There's got to be constant you know education on what's acceptable behavior outside the workplace. Uh, fortunately, the way the equipment is set up, this is not like a normal uh, production line where you've got people elbow to elbow. So they're spread out probably 10 yards apart running different equipment. So it's 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 fairly safe. Uh, that said, if there's one reported incident, it would result in shutting down the facility for several weeks.
0: Are you facing any supply chain issues?
1: No. Uh, We haven't, and we have not faced any supply chain issues from from China on the soft kit side and on the the, uh, implant manufacturing side. We've run into zero issues as well to this point.
0: So what challenges do you see your company facing going forward? I mean, obviously, it's unpredictable how this is all going to play out, but what would you say the near-term and mid-term outlook is?
1: It's really on us to make sure that we're we're taking care of our employees um, as far as is maintaining those distances and uh, doing everything we can to minimize the risk of of an outbreak inside the company. Long term, honestly, I don't know. You know, there there, there really isn't a, a good plan for being shut down. You know, we're we're in constant contact with our customers, you know, letting them know that supply is uninterrupted and, and what measures are in place and, and what we're doing to ensure that that continues. But we're we're, we're kind of like everyone else. Until you know how, how high the water is going to rise, you really don't know what you're going to do. And in this case, it's not a partial shutdown. In Germany, there have been, been cases where they had um, I think they had one case in, in a, a factory not too far away from where we're located. Eleven hundred employees manufacturing parts for the uh, auto industry, and they had one case, and they shut the, the company down for a month, uh, put everyone into quarantine. So it's really tough to tell at this point what what's going to happen.
0: So can you kind of put yourself in the shoes of a company that is not in the medical industry that you know hasn't been determined to be essential and. And is having to lay off workers, having to cease whatever it is that they're producing?
1: Sure. And, and again, I don't know exactly what I, what I would do in that case because there's, there's so many varieties of what you just described. I mean, I'm in Charleston, South Carolina, where, you know, there's a huge uh, tourist industry, huge restaurant industry, you know, and those people have been out of work since last Wednesday. You know, my son works at, at uh, probably the best-known Irish pub in in the area. It's out on Sullivan's Island, and he sent me a picture last Tuesday, which was, uh, if I got my dates right, was um, St. Patrick's Day, which is normally a, a big block party and and you know, one of the biggest days of the year. And there were two customers in the uh, entire dining area. So, you know, th- those people are are really in a tough spot. Generally on, you know, businesses that have ongoing business, even during the crisis, I think they've still got to take the same precautions that we're taking by kind of quarantining certain areas of the building, by maintaining distance of the employees and doing everything they can to to kind of safeguard their health and welfare.
0: So as you're kind of, you know, making decisions, assessing the situation, what resources of the Christian tradition are helping you process what's going on?
1: Well, that's an interesting question because I don't, I don't think there's, you know, it's not like an emergency manual or emergency uh, a process manual where you say, okay, X happened, therefore I'm going to open the book and turn to that chapter and we're going to do X, Y, and Z. I think fortunately, to use an analogy, you know, I once heard a, uh, an example of a professor who was in front of a class and he had a glass that was half filled with water and he asked uh, one of his students to come up and shake the glass. And the student jostled the glass and, and the water spilled down the side. And he said, uh, well, what happened? He said, the water spilled. And he said, well, why did the water spill? And he said, because I shook the glass. And he said, no, the water spilled because that's what was in it. And I, and I think when you look at your responses in times of crisis, even with the, the Christian tradition or your, your, your plans in a business, your, your culture in a business, when you're shaken, what's already in there comes out. And I think that's the same with us as Christians. And I'm not saying that's not a reason to go look for for solace and direction from from Scripture or the tradition of the church or the social teachings. It's often hard to do if it's not already in there, you know, uh, when when you're shaken. And I think we've been fortunate at our company that from the beginning, almost without even making a conscious effort, those things were built in as far as how we treated our employees and 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 how we resolved issues with customers and how we deal with subcontractors and manufacturers because the other thing that that comes into play in times like this is you find out what the trust level is between your different operations and um, you know the the one thing i'm I'm very thankful for is that we share a, a common value system and that's that's critical and it's Often not the case when you get into multinational companies. And again, like I said, we are a small one where, where I know everyone. But the, the golden rule and things like that were kind of built into who and what we were from the, from the very beginning. So it, it hasn't been so much reaching out for, for guidance in the moment. It's uh, kind of a sense of thankfulness that, that our tradition and, and even our theology uh, informed our business and it, it it did so from the beginning and that's made so go ahead
0: where did you learn that like where was where was that coming from like how did you become the kind of person who made a connection between your theology and the way you might run your company
1: that's a tough question to answer and i I, I think it uh, in a way boils down to how do you determine what's right and wrong? You know, what's your baseline for determining what's right and wrong? Because that, that informs everything from your business decisions to decisions in your, in your personal life. For me, it's something that, that's kind of been absorbed my entire life. You know, there was an instance where we, 30 years ago, uh, signed a contract with a major orthopedic company and made our first delivery of products, and um, they failed. And I got a call from their office, you know, it was a 20-something saying, you know, Daryl, uh, we're going to have, we've got a meeting scheduled for 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. We expect you to be here with a, a solution to this problem. And it was not a, I mean, the, the the caller was was rightfully pretty upset. And before I left, I called my father and, and I asked him, I said, you know, explain the situation. I said, what, what should I do? And he said, you know, you just just do the right thing. And you'll be you'll be just fine, which sounds like really terrible advice. You know, it sounds like terrible advice. But as I was making the drive from West Virginia to North Carolina, I realized that there was an incredible amount of freedom that came with that. Because it means you're not thinking about how I'm going to save money for the company or or, or dodge responsibility or, or do any of these things, um, and it all depends on what your definition of right is and what right is based on. And I did go down and do the right thing. And it was a great lesson for me because I, I think they were shocked and amazed by the response. And I won't go into the details, but it did end up costing us a lot of money, but we made it right. And we corrected the problem. And, and, and again, part of that is going back to the, the, the golden rule. And, and um and, and I think that's, on a practical level, what what um, what informs the decisions that we make at Darko and at HD Medical? So you've been in quarantine
0: for over a week, but not alone. No, You're, you've been with your wife, Melissa. So, you know, what advice do you have for those of us who are kind of experiencing quarantine ourselves and are at close quarters with others?
1: Well, I thought it was it was. One of the first things that came to mind was, you know, Pascal's assertion that that all a man's misfortunes based on the fact that he can't sit quietly alone in a room, you know, um, and I think that's because it forces you to take inventory, you know, personal inventory when there's no distractions, there's no uh, uh, nothing to keep your mind occupied other than what work you can do online and and, and whatever. But I I think it's a great opportunity because you're you're forced to reevaluate those most important relationships, you know, the ones with your family and, and with those closest to you. And, and again, on those alone times, uh, times of solitude, I think you're reevaluating your relationship with God and your priorities. And, you know, when you look at the some of the privations that we think we're under and i'm not trying to minimize any you know the pain anyone's feeling here i know jobs are lost or and and uh businesses have been severely impacted but you know we're we're at a time where there are safety nets and um you know my wife and i were talking the other day because she asked me to read uh to her from uh, uh a book on the waning of the middle ages uh which sounds very nerdy I but it's- yeah. yes yes yeah yeah exactly. And you know it, it, it's uh, it's a fantastic piece it, and I think it it really is helpful when you're trying to understand present challenges to to look to the past and and, and, and see how other people handled things that were far worse. you know we, we if you're looking for perspective, uh, yeah, take a look at the Middle Ages. They had to deal with with plague and with, with drought and with famine. And they didn't have the safety nets. Uh, they didn't have this mass communication where we could orchestrate everyone's movements like uh, like we're doing right now. and Say stay at home. Uh, they didn't have that knowledge, and I think there was um, a much stronger sense of immediacy not only to the the catastrophe that may be unfolding around them, but you know also to the the keenness of the pleasure that they would take in having uh, a soft bed or a. You know, Wazinga said, uh, "A warm cloak or uh, a glass of wine," and 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 I think that's I think that's miss. It's certainly missing from my life. It's certainly missing from my life. And I think these times should be, and I hope for me will be, uh, a time of thankfulness. You know, despite the the again challenges around us, there there we've got an incredible amount to be thankful for. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's been um, that, that, that's been on my mind.
0: Great. Can you recommend, you know, what have you been reading or watching or listening to during this time that uh, that you'd recommend to others?
1: Well, uh, you know, one thing that I've been doing during this time that that I've been trying to do for uh, a while is engage in contemplative prayer. And that's something that's very easy for me to, to blow off. And when there's no commute and, you know, there's no getting stuck in a traffic jam and there's no easy excuses, I think it's a time to kind of revisit some disciplines like that, 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 um, are extraordinarily helpful, at least to me and, in and, my, my life. Uh, so that's been probably the most helpful thing that I've been trying to do faithfully through this quarantine is for, you know, to start my day with contemplative prayer. And, um, would recommend that. No one if anyone out there hasn't tried it or, or interested in something like that, it's, uh, it's amazing to spend 20 or 30 minutes in silence before God. You know I think it's, it's been very, very helpful. The other book I'm reading that uh, probably does not have a lot to do with, with what's going on. Other people who may be feeling challenged or depressed with, with uh, the world as it is right now might be interested. It's, it's called "The Noonday Devil." It's on uh, Acedia. And, um, you know, a lot of people may struggle with that kind of spiritual weariness and uh, uh, lack of joy. And, uh, you know, that that comes with that. uh, Well, I think that the subtitle I'm looking at it right now is the unnamed evil of our times. And it's been a, a fantastic read for me. And honestly, it was a book that was lost and then found. I actually ordered a, a replacement copy, which means as soon as I went on quarantine, I, I found the copy I had, and I'm, I'm finishing it up now. That's been fantastic. And the waning of the Middle Ages. Like I said, if you wanna you wanna feel a little bit better about the way things are going right now, or you want some perspective, and go go delve into the Middle Ages. Let our uh, our brothers and sisters from the past, you know, share share a little bit about what they did and, and, and saw and felt and experienced in, in their life, and I think it will uh, will certainly give you the ability to be incredibly thankful for, uh, you know, even the, the difficulties that we're facing when you, you you put them in perspective against others. Other than that, podcasts I'm listening to. Uh, revolutions by Mike Duncan, who, uh, some listeners may know from the history of Rome. I just downloaded one that I can neither recommend nor nor I can't praise or, 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 or damn either way. It's, it, frankly, I was taken by the, uh, uh, the title and it's, I think it's pints with Aquinas. No idea what Sounds I'm going to find out. Yeah. All I know is the, the, uh, moderator is an Aussie and, uh, um uh, look forward to trying that out and seeing how that goes. But that's that's kind of been it. So when this is all
0: over, probably we'll never feel like there's there's a real time when we transition. But if there were like a, a time when we all get released, what's the first thing you're going to do?
1: That is tough to say. That is tough to say. The first thing I would do, well, I will say I wish they would release this before uh, Easter Mass. I'm going to miss that. And hopefully... I tell you what, I won't answer that, the, the the question with a specific. I'll just say that I hope that everything I do after the release um, that I approach with a, with a freshness and with a sense of gratitude uh, for being able to participate and to come back in social contact with others and come back into communion uh, with others and, and uh, join corporate worship and 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 join you know just the the normal day to day pleasure of working with with people that I care about and collaborating and and, uh, trying to do good things. Great.
0: Well, Daryl Darby, thanks for taking the time to connect with us out of quarantine. And I hope we can see each other in person sooner rather than later. Likewise. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for listening. If you appreciated this episode, please rate and review us on your podcast platform of choice. We love to hear from listeners. Chat with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can also learn more about our programming at BeatriceInstitute.org. That's BeatriceInstitute, all one word, dot org. And if you are a university student or a faculty member in Pittsburgh and would like to be involved locally, check out our Fellows Program and get in touch. This episode was mixed and mastered by Yellow Music and Sound. Until next time, I'm Ryan McDermott. Go with God.